All right, I think we're live. We're live. We're live. Eric Morrow, brother, what's going on? I'm doing good. How are you doing today, Scott? I'm good. Hey, so we're here at WLAR, WJSQ, WYGO here in Athens, Tennessee. That's right. Right here at the station uh, where I host my uh, Saturday morning program, The Roundtable. Uh, Scott, thank you for inviting me in for your uh, podcast here. Hey, do you know what happened a year ago? A year ago. I think this is when me and you uh, collaborated a little bit and started some uh, some news of our own a little bit. We had WCMU news. We can't make this up. Um, I remember when I said that, you just turned and looked at me. We were doing a Facebook Live. It was uh, it's kind of an odd name to put together, but you know you really couldn't make that kind of news up back then. So, and so what was going on? Tell the people. For, for everybody that was uh, joining us at that time and for the people with, with us now, uh, it was mostly about Pigfoot. Uh, I mean, people ask, what is Pigfoot? It was a pig that roamed around town that nobody could catch. <laughs> and uh, it just showed up. Yeah, it just kind of magically appeared one day running around the city park area. And uh, it kind of became a phenomenon for uh, the city of Athens and McMinn County. I mean, we started having parties out in the parking lot, it seemed like, with People showing up, uh, bringing food, drinks, uh, trying to catch a pig. Well, the funny thing is, is uh, you and I just did it. Okay, I don't know why you did it. And Larry Eaton was involved. Uh, I got involved because I thought, eh, I'm just laying here. Let's go down there and have some fun. And then, you know, we start doing the Facebook Live videos. And, and lo and behold, people started watching that stuff. Yeah, it was, uh, it was kind of amazing. It just kind of first started out with... Uh, Maybe three or four people watching us while we were going Facebook Live, and us really goofing off and having a fun time with it. To turned into almost a nightly thing where we met out in the parking lot somewhere. And, and it did a wasn't live an feed. almost. We were there every <laughs> night for a we solid were, week or so. Yeah, I think it, it was a good time where you know we would start three or four o'clock in the afternoon sometimes, and we'd run it until the sun went down. For the I know I would get off work. At, I work in automotive manufacturer here. They're not paying to be on here, so we're not going to mention them. Uh, so I would get off work, I would have a change of clothes, I'd run down here, and then we'd sit in that parking lot and then wait for people, because uh, remember, we didn't know where this pig was, we were just waiting on people to post on Facebook, I saw the pig! Yeah, we would just go live and say, hey, if you see the pig, tell us, and we'll go right to it, and I mean, it was just like instant, people would send us pictures and say, hey, I seen it at this location, and we would just jump in the truck and take <laughs> off! camera and all and then set up live to where we thought the pig was at there would be like three or four trucks of guys running through that city park area jumping out remember we we actually saw it down there next to the hospital and chased it up the hill a little bit yes uh we got, even got uh some uh deputies involved helping us out with that uh, the Casey, rescue squad rescue squad come in and helped out McMean county rescue squad uh had jason pickle from inglewood uh, police department uh seth seth uh, come in there uh casey hockman uh chuck the, burris yes uh, I think that the funniest part about that, the whole Pigfoot thing, was watching people chase it and thought they had the pig cornered. <laughs> I could remember being on Matlock Avenue and uh, sitting there and doing a live feed, and I think you drove by me, but I could hear uh, Jason Pickle and Casey Hockman over in the woods over on Matlock Avenue hollering that we've got it cornered to the fence. And the funniest thing that I remember about it was the pig actually ran over Casey Hockman. I remember that. And he tried to grab it by the feet, and he, he said it was so strong it got loose from him and literally literally ran right over him. <laughs> I remember that. That was a fun time. And I think we, we uh, it got to where we told everybody, I think it was like 7 o'clock at night, we had a regular 
thing. Ended up people bringing stuff to give away. We had a couple of rifles. I think it, by the time we ended, there were probably, what, 40, 50 or more people? Yes. Not just watching on Facebook Live. I'm not talking no. about people on Facebook Live. 40 or 50 people in an audience. Show up in the parking lot. They were not <laughs> just to watch what was going to happen or watch us go live and be a That's part right. of it. And it, it was it's a great thing. I think we even got involved with uh, having uh, the backpack giveaway. They come in and started getting donations for that going on. That that was uh, Overcoming Faith? Yes. Christian that, Center, that's we, right. We had people bringing in a lot of school supplies, helping out, and we were able to, to pull a lot of donations together. It was fun times. You know what I uh, literally, it might have been last weekend or weekend before last, and I've had this happen since then. I've had two or three people come up to me since then and say, thank you. Because you remember what else was going on was the city council elections. Yes. And it got a little ugly here in Athens, and that's all everybody was talking about. And every time you got on a Facebook page, everybody was upset and mad and arguing. And then Pigfoot come in. Kind of like right now. Kind of like right now. We can talk about that. <laughs> Pigfoot come in and just took over. Yeah. It just uh, it it brought people together. I like to think it did anyway. Uh from different backgrounds, different parts of society, everybody came in and just it let everything go when it came to election. Everybody just come to have a good time and hang out and talk. And yeah. That's really what we were trying to accomplish with all that. Well, that's that was the uh, unintended Side benefit <laughs> consequence <laughs> of it. I was just trying to accomplish having fun. And uh, we did. That's also when I started 365. I think my very first 365 things to do around Athens uh, video was go chase Pigfoot. Yeah, that's uh, that was my very first one. That's yeah, because we were you were putting it together and helping that time. And that's I was on the, getting on the radio around that time or becoming part of the radio. You had already. Well, I, I don't know if you started a little bit with the radio. I think in that time. Well, let's talk about that. I think you first come to the attention of the radio, uh, and sadly enough, over the Thomas and Betts. Yeah, the the, the Thomas and Betts thing that that really happened over here. Uh, I know I was kind of on the scene with that when it happened. It was just kind of a, I hate to use the word accident, but it was. I saw a Facebook post about someone talking about what was going on at Thomas and Betts. And Facebook Live had just really started kicking off around that time, in my opinion. It, it was kind of new, and people were using it to do things. So uh, when I saw it, I thought, you know, everybody was asking questions. What's going on? What's happening? I've got family there. So I immediately, being as close to it as I was, living there uh, around about in that area, I just jumped in my truck and drove over there and went to So Facebook what was Live. going on? I mean... It, it was more... It was a, an active shooter that took place. Uh, right. But, uh, you know, as I recall, it was just a chaotic scene when I pulled up on it because I came in on the back side of the factory and literally ran across people that were running across the cemetery back there into the woods across the road next to the railroad tracks. Yeah. And uh, it, it, it was just an unbelievable sight to see people running for their life. Uh, and it, I'm sitting there trying to get everything as it goes. I'm driving around, holding my phone up and coming around. And by that time, the Athens police department and McMinn County, uh, sheriff's department started coordinating off the area. So there was only so close you could get to it. But in the meantime, I was kind of talking with, uh, Chuck Burris, uh, a little bit back and forth with text. And he was asking to, you know, try to get some waters for the, the rescue squad. And, uh, first responders that were coming in there because you know that was a, a wild afternoon where everybody was it was hot it was hot and people were in there and uh, there wasn't really much detail to what was happening uh during the time it was happening so you know i used facebook live to put out the call to get you know waters for emergency personnel uh, food we had we had several businesses that came in and donated food that evening uh, several grocery stores that donated tons of water 
uh, and it just kind of led into being a community effort at that point. And I think that's where, because um, that was certainly before the fun of Pigfoot. That's yes. where I first not knew you. I mean, I think I knew of you. Know, we might have been Facebook friends because I went to high school with Susan, your yeah. wife. Yeah. Uh, but that's where I think you. I don't want to use the word notoriety. You're probably I too humble for myself, that. I so to speak. Uh, As a citizen reporter. Uh, yes. Uh, it's kind of, it was kind of off the side, really. It happened, and like you said, the radio kind of took notice. And around that time, too, I was doing Facebook Live with city council meetings. I, I mostly started with uh, the city of Athens, uh, which is now branched out being with the radio station. I cover the city of Athens, the, the town of Inglewood, and the city of Etowah, uh, city council meetings live. Uh, and again it was just kind of it fell into my lap a little bit so to speak doing this and i met up with uh randy slager who owns wjsq and wler and wygo i just happened to meet him in town uh one day while i was sitting out having lunch and uh he had saw what i've been trying to do on uh, a facebook page right and trying to get information out about what's going on in the public and he just kind of asked me, he's like, hey, uh, would you be interested in running the radio station's Facebook page and, and, and getting information out that way and uh, maybe bringing over the city council meeting over onto my radio station page? And I, I was like, yeah, I, I can do that. And he offered to, to provide better equipment than me using a cell phone to uh, do that. So, you know, that was encouragement. <laughs> it, it's, uh, it's a lot easier when you have equipment like that to, to do those live feeds instead of trying to use a cell phone. And uh, I, as I was speaking with him, I was contemplating at the time a podcast like what you're running here. And mm -hmm. I'd mentioned to him that, you know, I, I'm looking at doing a podcast to talk about things that are happening around Athens, uh, getting information out about events, uh, you know, what governments are doing, uh, people that are running the governments, uh, and so on down the, down the line there. And he, he looked at me and said, you know, why do you want to do a podcast when I can give you a show on the radio? And I was like, okay i said what do i need to do to to make that happen and he said get your stuff together come back to me in about two two and a half weeks show me what you got and we'll sit down and go and well in about two two and a half weeks i i come up with this program that has now become best of the best here in athens uh, i basically walked in and i was lucky one because when i first came in the city of athens was looking around for a new city manager at the time and mm -hmm. so I, I got lucky from the aspect they hired Seth around that time, and he was actually my first guest on the, the radio program. So he's I, a great guy. He is. He's a, he's a good guy. He very, very got a great personality with him. And, and I don't know, I, I, don't, I, I don't follow the city government. I don't follow city politics. I don't. But I will tell you this. <clears throat> I was a couple of city employees who publicly and privately told me they love working with him, love working for him. Every time I see him out, hey, Scott, and he comes up, you know, and uh, matter of fact, he and I raced over one of those uh, those inflatables that they have down at the pavilion oh, yeah. sometimes. A little bounce house like kind of deal. Yeah, there's a bounce house obstacle course. He smoked me in it. but <laughs> and, and Seth, if you're listening to this, I'll do it again. I broke my toenail going when I first stepped on, so I was in pain. Ouch. I was bleeding by the time I got off that thing. Uh, but he smoked me. I got beat. I'll take my beating. Uh <laughs> He is a great guy, but I'm sorry. Go ahead. You, you, he was your first guest. No, that's fine. Yeah, he was my first guest. Uh, my second guest was actually Chuck Burris. Uh, he had just been appointed the, the mayor of Athens at that time. And 
it just happened to be political at that time when I was bringing those guys on, and I wanted it to be more about just being a political show. I mean, who needs another Fox News? But let's be honest, we right. we got enough of that, and or CNN, whatever your flavor is with news, MSNBC, uh, yeah, whatever. I'm, I'm not not saying one's better over the other, uh, but I wanted it to be more than that for Athens. I wanted it to have, and, and for McMinn County and for the surrounding areas on top of that, I wanted it to be a be a, be a better program. Uh, so I started extending invitations out to people uh, that had events going on. Uh, Tim Hughes, that runs The Sound of Summer, he was on during that time within my first year of running there. Uh, and it just it kind of took off on its own, took a life of its own. Within my first two programs that I've uh, had set together, I had about, I'm going to say about three to four bookings out, which is with Saturdays, that's about a month. Within a month of booking my show, I was out two and a half months, and then, now I'm consistently out about three months of booking. Good People want to be with the show and, and come on and talk about what's happening. At, at one point, uh, we had been running almost multiple guests on the program because of so much was going on in the area, and it, it wanted to get that information out. But it, it becomes real hard when you have to sit down and, and write these scripts. And this radio program is not my day job. So it's, it's kind of a side job for me, and it, it – takes time away people don't realize how much time it takes to sit down and write a full-on script for a radio program so you know what questions you're going to ask your guest booking the guest finding the next guest it's it's throw it's the script loaded. away dude and just do what we're doing just sit down <laughs> well i, I like for my guests to be I, I like for my guests to be a little comfortable when they come on i want them to know what i'm were you comfortable about. coming on i'm just comfortable coming on of course you know i've, I've worked with you before so i'm comfortable with this, this <laughs> so is I, good. i'm not going to throw any <laughs> trick questions and that was my fear in inviting some people on is because it's, it's a little hard to describe this format to somebody um i got three so far I'm, I'm traveling up to washington state in september and i got three of these scheduled already while i'm there for my 10 days I'll try to get a few more Everyone, um, well, no, two of them ask me, well, what's the topic? And the other one, he's just like, absolutely. <laughs> sure. <laughs> Let's I, don't do care. It. <laughs> I don't care what we're talking about. And uh, I just told them, look, it's, it's, it's simple. I, I want to talk about where you've been, where, you, where you're going, what you've been through, your journey. Uh, this one person I'm talking to, they just started writing a book. Let's talk about oh, wow. that book process or beginning coaching. And, and she... I don't know her extremely well. I know her via Facebook, and, and I know you don't know somebody via Facebook. I, and I knew her when I lived there years ago, um, but we lost touch because I, I used to be involved in the industry she's in. But just watching where she's come from on Facebook, I mean, and at one point, uh, she lost a lot in her life financially personally and things like that and now today she's uh she's a real estate agent she's a certified coach she's doing extremely well and i think that's an amazing journey so i, I want to talk to her so it's a little hard when i describe it to people and i thought well eric knows me i'll ask eric <laughs> he can be one of the first ones on there yeah i enjoy it I, you know getting on here and have a chance to talk about you know where i've started at what what i've gone through and and being with you on this podcast, it's it's fun. I like doing stuff like this. It's and you know we a lot of people can go out and I generally am Facebook Live generally now with a lot of things going on around town and get all kinds of invitations to come out and you know spotlight what's happening in the community. And, and for me, that's what it's about community. Uh, I want to try to bring everybody the most information uh, that I can bring them and, and br help bring the community together with things. 
Well, the one thing about your program that I do appreciate, and I'm glad, and I don't get to watch it a lot because uh, here's what I don't like about Facebook Live. Yeah. And you and I have had this conversation. Sometimes I want to read the comments. Yeah. And so uh, it'll, I'll say, oh, it's live. There's you know, 200 comments. I want to, or, you know, so-and-so just commented on Eric on Facebook Live. So I click on that. Well, now I got to watch the video and then watch the comments come in succession where I just want to. You want to read what you got. And I find a lot of my radio listeners, they do that. If, if they don't listen to the radio, they don't join in the morning with it. But what they do do is come in the afternoon right. after it's posted. And they can sit there and watch it as it's happening on the video. And the, the numbers in the afternoon on Saturday afternoon, they, they, they skyrocket for us with that program on Saturday afternoon, even though it's a morning program. So you've had a couple of big programs of, I know one, I think you went live for the fire in downtown. I did. Uh, I was. That was one I was watching for I, sure. I covered that. Uh, it actually, again, uh, one of the other Facebook groups out there, someone had posted the early morning fire uh, when it first started way in the it was dark. hours. It was dark outside, very dark. And I just happened to got up a little early that morning and was getting ready for uh, to come into my Saturday morning program. And someone had sent me a message and said that there's a fire in downtown Athens, very big. So I, they sent me the video. Uh, my first phone call was to, to Randy here at the radio station. I said, hey, I'm heading down there. I'm going to cover the, the fire in downtown. Uh, so I was immediately able to get down there. I, I believe I was one of the first news media people on the scene, uh, went Facebook Live, and just the intensity of that fire in downtown Athens, it, that it was unreal. I mean, it heated my equipment up. I, I tried well, you were what, Caddy Corner next to, in front of Big Belly Deli? In or? front of Big Belly Deli right there behind the uh, McMinn County Courthouse on the corner there. And it's just, I could set up right on the line there and was able to talk with the city manager, Seth Sumner, and, and kind of get direction for people uh, and the fire chief, Jim Dyer, about what was going on. And even Chuck Burst was there with the rescue squad, and they kind of gave me some interviews and give me a heads up, and I could sit there and walk, you know, put it on Facebook Live for everybody to see the fire. And just, again, the heat intensity off that. I can't imagine what it's like for the firefighters in their suits to go into that. And I was standing a good 15, 20 feet back behind a media line shooting, and my equipment was just blowing up hot. You ever done that? Put on a fire suit and run into a fire? I've never done that. I can honestly say I've never done that. I did that. Uh, I was a, I was in the rescue squad. I was young. The 90s. <laughs> it's early 90s. And um, we did some fire training. There was a couple of fires we went on. Mainly wrecks and stuff. Fires were rare. But it's a lot of equipment. It's a lot it, of it heat. It is. I, a lot of heat. And, and I can only imagine you know the training they have to go through to put those suits on. I've, I've covered a few of the, the McMinn County Rescue Squad races that they've done out at uh, McMinn County High School where – you know, they've gone through a race of how quick they can put their gear on. And I, you stand back and watch how they've got this in line and they go through this. And it's amazing that they can get this all put on in about 8 to 12 seconds. Right. Drawn through there as fast as they're going. And I'm sitting there scratching my head. Yeah, that's probably going to take me about 10 minutes to throw all that together. <laughs> that's right. And then I'm going to want to sit down and rest. <laughs> yes. Give turn, me a bottle of water. On. <laughs> well, you know, I never got trained on the Scots pack. That's the uh, the – oxygen that they're breathing I, I never got trained on that so i never had to enter with that but been on the outside of a building spraying it down um it's intense it is I, it's it's unbelievable to sit and watch those guys go to work and what they do and my, my hat off to them they're they're one of the reasons they saved as many buildings down in downtown athens from what all the, them team together and other area firefighters come in so, so we have people up. as far away as was was it knoxville i think some from knoxville as far as chattanooga Ottawa area i believe came in 
uh, to help out and control that. Uh, you know, much much respect to the the vendors around the area too, because and citizens, because everybody we we put a call out again during that live feed. A lot of people kept asking during the live feed, "Can we bring the firefighters food? Can we bring them water? How do we get there?" And so one of the things I brought on Seth Sumner and asked him to explain. Where do these people need to go? Where are you staging this? Do we need to tell people not to come into this area? And so with that guidance, he was helped to tell people where to come around and where to drop off food and, and water for all the firefighters. I, I think it's important. I'm glad you brought that up because I've, I've been involved with the disaster relief organizations before. And every time something happens, people get on and they start complaining, well, they're not taking any donations. and People don't understand the logistics that's involved in coordinating a disaster relief effort, they go in there with a lot of resources. They go in yes. there with a lot of water. They go in there with a lot of food. They go in there with a lot of clothing, a lot of temporary shelters. When you all of a sudden start bringing them all this stuff, they have nowhere to keep it. They don't have warehouses there. And it's not a priority for them to figure that out at that time when an emergency is going on. Right. That's Their priorities get in there. Get in there and try to put out whatever emergencies going on at that time and it just uh, it just infuriates me how people will get upset about it. but that's you've pointed out a good use of social media yes i try to try well, my best to do it well the examples we gave yes. you have and you bring in seth on yes we can have it but you need to bring it over here and stage there uh this is what we need because you don't want people bringing stuff you don't need and this is where it goes then you got these other people who get on there who don't really know anything. They're armchair social media news reporters, if you will. Uh, and, and I'm probably got a more crude way of describing it, but we'll stick with that one for now. <laughs> they will get on there and start complaining when they, they don't have feet on the ground. They don't have eyes on the ground. And that's, I'm glad you've done what you've done with it. And I, I'm glad you've, the benefit, like you did in the city council things, which bore me, I don't, and it's no comment on you. It's just city government bores me right now. And well, I know yeah, it's important. It, I started, let me clarify for that piece. I started that whole piece before I joined the radio station. My whole point behind that was uh, Susan's dad, uh, who's passed on by now. Uh, now, uh, He was very active in city government. Uh, he, he wanted to go and see what was happening. As his health began to fade, he could not get up and go to places like that he wanted to be a part of. So he kind of brought me in to kind of watch those and seeing, you know, I was vocal behind the scenes. This is before social media, everybody gets on and starts, you know, telling their thoughts and feelings when it came to city government. Uh, a lot of people his age could not get to the city government to see what was happening. So my intent to go behind that was to live stream it so that elderly or disabled people that can't get there that want to be active and see what's happening with their government that they vote for can watch it and listen to it from the comforts of their home and don't have to try to make that trek into the municipal building or city hall to watch what's happening or more importantly take somebody's rendition of what happened you, you get to see it and hear it as it happens Right there on Facebook Live. Right. And that's that was, I, I didn't know that. That's why he did it. That's a great. That's why I started. That's what initially drove me to do that because of him. He got to where it was very hard. He was on oxygen. He couldn't get out. And right. it just, it made it hard for him. And so that gave me an opportunity to kind of help him out and other elderly people. Uh, and it was, 
it was a good time, a good time to help people out during that. Well, and I know a lot of people, uh, I mean, when it pops up on my feed, I'm just like, I ain't watching that. But uh, <laughs> there'll be, you know, there'll be several hundred people, maybe a thousand, depending on what's going on or more. I am, I'm sure you have more. And that's perfectly fine. It's not, it's not for everybody. It, and that's, and I understand that piece of it. It's more or less, if you want to know what's going on, we are providing the news for you and firsthand account of the event that's not taking place. Like you said, it's not sitting from an armchair sideline giving you somebody's rendition of it. We're giving you the full-on story of it. Yeah, make your own decision. And, and when I said, that, you know, a couple hundred to a thousand, I think that's amazing numbers to have somebody watching a city council meeting. Yeah. When it, I think about that, I'm it, like, are you kidding me? It's it's unreal. They may not join us live at that event because generally city council meetings are during the times when people are actually working or getting off work and they can't get to them. But later in the evening when they're at home and if they're not watching one of the news programs, they flip over to the WJSQ page and WLAR and they'll watch the Facebook Live. And we, we've had, I think the most I've seen on one video has been well over 2,500 to 3,000 people watching a night. And you take that with the numbers that are around at the area, Athens. I mean, the population of Athens, what? 13,000? 13,000. That's maybe, you know, maybe a quarter of that are watching it. 2,500 to 3,000 people out of that are watching it. Well, I know the one thing I appreciated when I lived in the Northwest, I was following things here in Athens because I grew up here. And uh, I would hear people talk about what took place in the city council meeting. There's nothing there to prove it. Exactly. There's nothing there. Did that really take place, or is that your bias? You is know? that your opinion of what happened at that city council? Is that uh, from what John or Jim Bob or Joe tells you passing through a chain, and then, you, and then you've got a rendition of it? But I did find it funny when you started doing it. You got some pushback from the council members, some I, of them. I, I did. It, it's kind of funny. Uh, and not just in Athens. No, it, it's, it kind of kind – of, spread a little bit there uh when i first started doing athens i was new to it uh, like i said i had a phone i went in i didn't know nothing about a city council meeting and as i said i was doing it for my father-in-law who couldn't attend and uh when i first attended i'll never forget the, the first city council is a they call it a study session now but it was a work session then i attended it did not know that there was an agenda did not know that they put things on an agenda didn't know had no clue I was just walking in with a cell phone and just going to go Facebook Live and let them do what they do. Do what they do. The first meeting I go into, the the very first thing on their agenda to talk about is the banning of cell phone use in council meetings. (laughs) (laughs) There you are with the cell phone. There I am with a cell phone going live. (laughs) And what it all really started from was on this. Uh, Facebook group, I, w- I put a poll up so that kind of everybody was kind of watching this Facebook group right. that I was being a part of. And so I put a poll up <laughs> and asked everybody, I'm like, what do you want to see Facebook Live? I wanted to kind of gauge what everybody wanted to see. And, and ultimately, I was doing it for my father in law to go there. And he, he really wanted me to go. And they went. Everybody chose the city council they wanted to see it. So I told my father in law I was going to go to do this for him and other people wanted to watch. And uh, I go in there. <laughs> and I set up and I, I do live on my phone and I'm sitting over there in the corner and the first thing that pop up, we want to talk about the banning of cell phone use and we, we have a problem with I love the Facebook beauty of that. <laughs> with the city councils. That was literally one of the discussions. I love I'm sitting that. over here in the corner with my phone and I mean, I didn't know what I could say, if I could say anything or anything. So I just kind of was quiet and 
I'm just, you know, most people, okay, this, yeah. is a, this is a credit to you. Most people would have sheepishly just went, oh, okay, and put it back in their pocket. No. <laughs> but you're like, me. nope, I'm here. I'm here. I'm live. You know, it, you get what you get. Uh, <laughs> I just kind of sit over there in, the, in my, my side wall filming it, and uh, it it was interesting. Like the one council member had turned to me and I never, I won't forget this till the day I died. Just looked at me and pointed at me and said, this is after they talked to the city attorney as you know, is it legal for him to do live and record this? And he explained to him, it's, it's an open meeting that you got, don't have to, but you've got to kind of let him do this cause it's an open meeting. And the, the one city council member just turned to me and, and literally pointed the finger right at me and said, uh, I don't like it. And I'll never will like it. And then it just kind of stuck with me there a little bit about that. And other council members spoke up about having cell phone use. You know, uh, they they defended it, the right to use it. And, and I'm sure if they had challenged that, media would have probably taken them on in regards to that. Because if, if you're going well, to Well, that's why they have an attorney yeah, there. advising them of how to go that. Because I, I can only imagine if that went the other way, saying we're banning cell phone use because your Facebook live streaming or a city council meeting. Well, we had an attorney in a local municipality here who actually resigned because they weren't going to take his advice. I, I remember. Yes, that's uh, one of the, the other cities here in McMinn County. Uh, it was, we'll just say it's over in Inglewood. It was in Inglewood, yeah. It was yeah. in Inglewood that happened. Uh, now, that was a crazy crap fest going on over there. <laughs> they, uh, I don't know if they've still got it figured out. I, I I think they're still trying to figure it out, to be honest. Uh, I know, And I don't know what the issue is. I just know that every time I turn around, there's something about Inglewood in the paper. And um, and I don't, you know, I'll come in the gas station in the morning, get whatever I'm getting, and I'll look down. To, oh, well. And, again, that's that's going to come back on the citizens of Inglewood to make a decision. You know, everybody's got their opinion about what happens. I try not to give an opinion about what's taking place. I'm just there to provide you live video of what's happening. Uh They've they've had their rough spots. Uh, some feel they're still going through their rough spots. Yeah, and uh, you know that's what elections are for, in my opinion. If you don't like how things are going in your town, we're afforded the right to go vote. Right. So you can go vote and change your council if you're not happy with them in a majority vote and see how it goes. But and that, then that kind of goes back to the way social media is right now a little bit with people being upset and, and you see it all the time. I know you see it and I see it where everybody's charging on to their candidate right now. Uh, they're, they're putting all the information out there, whether it be good or bad, uh, true or not true. Do your own research. Figure it out for yourself. Don't take somebody else's opinion for it. That's my opinion in the matter. Okay, so here's, here's my thoughts. So we got Mark Cochran. And Trey Winder running for, is it the 28th district or 43rd? Something with the Tennessee State District. I can't remember the exact number, so I don't want to speak yeah, I, And if this is where it was live, <laughs> you know, it was on YouTube or something, yeah. the comments would be blown up. Hey, you idiot, it's this district. They're running for the House Senate. Yes, the, Tennessee the, the State ten, House Tennessee House Representative. Seat, representative seat. Taking John Fogarty's spot. Um, the thing that I've seen in the in social media is – who is a stronger advocate for education? And that's that's been going on. Is this one support vouchers? Is this one not support vouchers? <clears throat> and I find it a funny argument. Obviously, both of them support public education. I, I don't know anybody who is totally anti-public education. And 
and I was thinking about this today. That would be like if uh, you and I were running for office and, and there was a pasta factory in town. And everybody here in town ate pasta. And everybody here in town loved pasta. And I'm running for you. And I come up and I'm like, I saw Eric the other day eating a wedge salad. <laughs> you will never see. I eat pasta every day. And I'm the only candidate that eats pasta every day. And then, you know, Facebook blows up. Everybody, you're anti-pasta all of a sudden. And that's what gets me about these social media political commentators. I don't think any of them has actually, A, watched the debate, been to a forum, been to a candidate, even just sat down and talked to the other candidate, let alone the candidate they're supporting. You know, and, that, and that's one of the things I tried to do. We, we did a, a thing with uh, the local newspaper here in town, mm-hmm. uh, the radio station. Uh, one of the things I spearheaded and helped out with Greg Moses when he was the editor of the paper we kind of got together and planned this well in the time ahead of the time so that people could come out and hear and even have an opportunity to submit their questions to ask the candidates what they want to hear. Now, the numbers were very big. Uh, we, we had a lot of people show up. I, I believe it was well close to 300 when we had the event for the representative piece mm-hmm. over at Central High School. And you got to hear these guys. And, and that's what I'm about. I want to provide you with an opportunity to hear from that person uh, directly, uh, not a secondhand comment that's made that may or may not be what that person said uh, on social media. Social media could probably be weaponized in its own way to use for any candidate if it used right. Oh, take has the, been. take, take yeah. the federal government, for example. Right. I mean, they're still talking about it to this day. Right. Uh, the question is, did, did it get used or did it not? And so that's what you have to be careful about when you, when you get on social media and you start talking about it because – you want to, for me anyway, I want to make sure I have all my facts together before I get out there and start talking about it or bringing a live video in regards to it and, and showing I don't want one point of view. I want all sides of the view, and then you, you make your decision based off those, that information I'm providing. Well, and I would like, I mean, like a format like this. If one of them, and I, I have, I've, I've reached out to one, uh, and only because I know people there and know this individual personally, and I, I don't know the other. They're both welcome to come talk. I'm but my thing is, I'm just like this. I'm not going in with a list of questions. I just want them to talk. And if they've got something, let's flesh it out. Oftentimes when you hear somebody say something, if you listen to them and let them talk it out, you probably somewhat agree with them. Yeah, you're, you're going to understand their, what they're trying to explain to you, how it's going. And that's the great thing about what you're doing and what I've done. You give them an opportunity to speak and right. be heard. Uh, yours is a little different format. You're more candid. I'm not going in with questions. I'm going to we're going to talk. Let's just talk. And if that means I want to talk about, hey, how how'd you where'd you go to college? You know, and what did you learn in college? And what was the biggest life? And and I think that's valuable to the listener because. Okay, now I'm getting to know them besides these sound bites or, or these, uh, these pieces of text that some media station has pulled out and said thought that I thought was important and, or, and, or a headline that's taken out of context. Um, that's what's, in my opinion, that's what's wrong with some things today, the way things are being reported. You're, like you said, you're taking it out of context. You're not giving the people out there the full story of what's happening. And that can affect a mindset when it comes to how somebody thinks about you. If you're going to pull a pull a context of you, if you said something about you know, pasta, foot, pasta, <laughs> pasta or pig foot, you know. No, I'm anti wedge salad. Yeah, 
<laughs> Anti-wedge at that point, and now you're, you're going to upset somebody because you didn't, they didn't get the full story across. Well, and there's a couple of uh, – I don't know how much you're following a lot of – a lot of national things. There's a guy on YouTube called Jordan B. Peterson. He's a psychiatrist out of a clinical psychologist out of Canada. And he came to fame because Canada came up with this law where they're going to start regulating speech and you have to say certain things a certain way or you can't. And he's like, no, you can't do that. It's illegal. And all of a sudden he came to fame and then people started finding his YouTube videos that he'd been posting for years and those blew up and he started doing some other stuff. And as a result, he's gotten a lot of media attention in the last two years. I heard him the other day talking, it was on the Joe Rogan podcast, that he's getting to the point to where he's not going to do any more interviews unless they're released unedited. That makes a lot of sense. You you, you want to, to give the full event of information that's taking place. You don't want to, like you said, clip it, cut it, and give a little segment piece of it. I don't believe you're giving the full information when you do that. I know, but I mean, when you get these editors and producers in newsrooms, they got time constraints. And, and let's be honest with you, the purpose of a news station, and I know you're a news station and you're doing things different, but the purpose of a, a major broadcast news station is to do what? Sell advertisement. It's true. It, it is. That's that's exactly what it is. That, that's and what it if is. If you can get the ratings, you're going to sell your adver- You're going to sell your advertisement. Right. So if I can take and quote you out of context, not, not intentional. Well, it is intentional. Intentionally to to confirm my bias that I may have, or to get the story that I want, then that's the best thing for me to do to get more advertising. It's interesting you say that because right now in the headlines, there's a whole story going on about this with The View, the ladies of The View, mm-hmm. and Whoopi Goldberg. I don't know if you've seen this or not. It's uh, They brought in a lady that's a, I think she's, I believe she's a Fox News contributor, and she was trying to sell her book, and she's booking tours to go on to talk about her book. And I'd seen the, the segment where uh, essentially Whoopi Goldberg went off over on her at the in the view during the program and the lady come over on the Fox news and started talking about all the stuff that happened behind the scenes, how they cut stuff. They, they were, they were cussing at her. They were telling her to take her mic stuff off and get out of there. And yeah. she said they edited all this so that you don't see it. And it's just, I think that's what burns a lot of the public up is you don't get the full story. You're getting mm-hmm. part of the story and, and that, that makes it bad. But I also understand the aspect of what you're saying as well. You want to do it to get the ratings to sell your ads. Right. And I think if I was a controversial figure on a national stage, one of the things I'd probably do would say, okay, if I'm coming on your show, you may release whatever you're going to release. I don't want any editorial control on what you release. I want a copy. Yeah. I want an unedited copy. And I think that's kind of what happened. This, I do remember she got a script. The full-on script, manual script of how oh, the transcript, transcript of what right. happened with the show. So she has the full-on transcript of what was said, and what was uttered, and what went on. And I, I completely understand that. But me being a, as a, a host of a radio program, that's one reason that I, I generally try to write out the questions that I'm going to give somebody. So I, w- I want them to feel comfortable when they come on the program. I don't feel like want them to feel like oh, so you prep them. I, I somewhat give them the questions. Uh, okay. I do give questions in regards to that to prepare them for what's going to be asked. Uh, I generally research topics about the organization, and I'm like, here, this is what I'm going to ask you this week so you're aware of what we're going to be talking about. 
So that's part of my research and is setting my stuff up with mine, my show. So back to your show. Um, <clears throat> what's been your favorite one? Oh, that's hard. That's hard. There, I've got. Oh, don't give me. It's like asking me which is my favorite kid because we all have our favorite kid. The, they call, <laughs> people's they call lying when they say they're all. I love them all the same. No, you don't. They, they, they've all been good. I, I get excited about those many different ones. To be honest, I, I don't believe I have a full-on favorite. I, I'm kind of like every Saturday morning. I'm, I'm, I feel like that's the, my best show. Is the way I try to go into it and look at it with everything. Because it truly is. That's how I want to make it. I want the, the show blah, blah, blah. Up. What's your favorite show? <laughs> you're, just, you're going to ride me on that. Yeah. I'm going to say all of them are my favorite show. We'll just go with that. because. Okay, what's your most interesting one? The one that you thought, okay, that was really interesting. I learned a lot there. Uh, and uh, You know, I'm trying to think of that and come to mind of one. And one doesn't stick to my mind. Well, there you go. I told you all of them. Are See, this is where if I'd have prepped you. Yeah, you could prep me. I, I <laughs> might have had a good one for you, but it, that's that's part of being spontaneous too with this. And with my program, I am spontaneous on some of them as well because right. if someone answers a question uh, that I've given them in regards to what I'm going to talk about, and I see another question I can build off that, I do do that. I'll sit there and then, you know chase that rabbit. Ch- chase it. You know, if you're going to elaborate on it, I'm going to ask you more about it so you can explain it. Uh, one of the things I would have to say, I sit here thinking the D.A.R.E. program with uh, the McMinn County Sheriff's Department. That one surprised me. Uh, my day job is in technology. Uh, I work in IT. And I brought them on to talk about the, diff- the D.A.R.E. program with how it's translated through the school system. And I did not know it until I started researching it, but cyberbullying is considered part of the D.A.R.E. program. Really? I did not know that. It surprised me. So what does D.A.R.E. stand for? I forgot even. <laughs> I forgot. You put me on the spot with it. I know I, it's, it's just dealing with the drugs and, and having to get yeah. the children more educated about it. Uh, but anyways, uh, cyberbullying. Yeah. It, when I started researching the website in regards to the D.A.R.E. program, it just popped up there, cyberbullying. And I'm, I'm looking at this, and I'm like, how does you enroll this into being part of the drug system to help? And it's just, it comes in because of the aspects of one social media. A lot of people get cyber bullied right. uh, when they're younger or going through school and they want to educate the children on how to talk to somebody. Uh, let somebody know that you're being bullied. Talk with a, an SRO, talk with your teacher. It's, it's about educating the youth and getting them prepared for, for stuff like that. So you're, uh, you have a family. How many kids? I have uh, one son that's with me and my wife, Susan. Right. So um, how old is he? He is 11. He's 11. So you're coming up on that age. I don't know if he's going to be that much involved in technology or stuff. He actually, my, my son's disabled, so he's, he's very heavy into technology. I tried to use that to help him a lot uh, when when a child's disabled, uh, I shouldn't say a child. When I, uh, well, what do you mean by disabled? I mean, well, my my son has a uh, genetic disorder that's called tetrasomy 18p. It's a very rare genetic disorder. Uh, so he's slow when it comes to things uh, mentally and age. He's he's. So not, is this similar living. to autism or not? It, it's not similar to autism. A lot of people okay. kind of throw all that into autism as a way. Uh, his pediatrician described it to me at one point and it, it's very important to, to not label everything under autism uh, 
Oh, okay. I agree. And, and so with his, he he's a little slow on everything. He, he's got physical uh, and mental handicaps, and so he, he can't talk very well. And so uh, he's trying to work on that, and, and his his motor skills. motor skills are not there all the way. Uh, and so I got him a tablet from an early set age where he can use his index finger and point to things. Okay. And, and kind of click on programs and make things work for him that's within there. And uh, I even developed on the laptop. Windows has a nice little feature where you can create a, a file that you can type your words and then hit a button and it'll play back the sentence for you. Right. So I kind of helped him with that a little bit and, and, and got him going with that. And then he loves to, to get on YouTube and, and watch the videos. His, I think his favorite thing is the Three Stooges. Uh, oh, really? He, he loves the Three Stooges. <laughs> he can't get enough of that. Uh, so every now and then he's gotten to that age. Either. <laughs> he got to that age now where he's repeating back some of the stuff Look, that they no, said. No, no, no. That or shut up. Whoop, so whoop, whoop, whoop. I'll get I'll get every now and then he'll look at daddy and go, Shut up. <laughs> and so I'm I'm having to fight that a little bit. He's now. gonna reach up and grab your nose one day and lead you around the house. <laughs> yes. Yeah, you can see that happening. <laughs> Well, that's great to hear the technology's doing that. My thing is that my kids were Facebook, all that stuff. I remember when I got Facebook and Twitter, my kids were like, I ain't getting that. That's for old people. Uh, they it, That just wasn't the thing for them. Uh, but I don't remember having to deal with a lot of the cyberbullying with my kids. And that may be because at an early onset, I taught my kids about bullies. Yeah. And I taught my kids, you know, uh, the best thing to do to a bully is punch him in the face. Uh, you might get beat up, but that bully will never bully you again. And I learned that. I mean, I was a small guy. My freshman year in high school, I weighed 80-something pounds. So I know about bullies, right? Okay. <laughs> I know about bullies. <laughs> I've dealt with bullies and I know the best way to deal with a bully is just to deal with the bully, and because if you let them run you over, they're gonna run you over. So I, it's when I hear people talk about cyberbullying, I I don't feel confident enough to to talk about how to handle it because I didn't have to deal with it with my kids. And you and I both are in the same boat with that. We grew up in a time where there was no social media. I mean, technology was starting to boom during the nineties. During that time, I mean, I can remember the computers being a big thing and getting on AOL Instant Messenger and, and chatting with somebody on a, a computer that was bigger than this table. Right. Uh, and so, you know, that was our internet. We Hearing that dial-up. Yeah, the dial-up, the boing. Right, watching, so, watching the pixels across the screen as the picture came up. Exactly. And so it's just a different time where a lot of children are growing up with it. And you need I've got a computer in my hand now. Yeah, I mean, essentially your phone. It, it's right. a computer. You're you're doing everything by your your phone now, and so it's very important for for parents to become educated with how social media works, and and in some cases I, I've talked to parents that don't even let their children have a social media account. Uh, they prefer them to go outside and play in the dirt. Uh, Imagine that. Yeah, what me and you did when you were younger, you know. I, I could remember times getting out and, you know, my fun for me was getting outside and getting to ride my bicycle around the Rossville area. That's kind of where I grew up at right there. So I went out in Rossville and rode around and, and talked to my friends and got outside today. It's, and I was even talking with Susan about this today uh, at home, how children today, all they do is 
pick up the phone and, you know, we're looking down at our phone 24-7 talking to a friend that may be in the next room. Right. Uh, well, the thing about it, too, is have you seen some of the studies that it's doing on your posture? Yeah. It, it's messing. One, it's messing with your hands, so you're going to possibly get arthritis. And then your posture itself, everybody's slouching over and kind of kind of hunkered down and looking down, so you're, you're hurting your posture with your neck and your back and everything because you're, you're constantly looking down and, and playing with your phone or tablet. Well, one of the things I – Chris, I've been concerned about my posture for a long time, and maybe because when I was in the Marine Corps, we had to be concerned about your posture. Stand up straight, stand at attention. Thank you for your service, by the way. Oh, I hate it when people tell me that, but thank you. I, I appreciate I, it. I, I we had that my, discussion. Yeah, we'll, we'll talk about that in a minute. I'll, I'll let you finish on your thought there. The uh, a few years ago, I was in Portland, Oregon, and I took a class on posture, and I forgot what it's called, Golki Method or something like that. I'll have to look it up. It's probably on my Evernote. I could probably pull it up here if I wanted to, but. They, uh, she started studying these indigenous people on the continent of Africa who carry the stuff on their head, right? And started studying about, and she kind of got to this backwards as she was studying their health and started realizing they didn't have a lot of the same health problems that we did and didn't have a lot of the same weight problems that we did. And so she started noticing, wait a minute, they walk different than we do. And so she started studying how they walk and how they stand and how they even squat and how they do things with a posture that we don't do. And so she started implementing these techniques on her husband. And you see these pictures of her husband who's down there with her on this trip. Shoulders are slunched over, his head's down. And he just, you know, he looks like a a very mealy, mealy type of guy, right? Yeah. And then you see, like, a year later, after he's been practicing these techniques, guy's standing up straight. He's got a presence and an air about him. I forgot what all medical things had been wrong with him that he wasn't facing anymore. Yeah. Uh, she was talking about his mental attitude was better. And I don't think people understand the value of just doing certain things. I don't know why it's going to work, but once you start doing it, all of a sudden it starts working. And I used to tell my kids this. My son, uh, he was in high school, and he'd get up in the morning, and he's got, like, a pair of pajama pants on and whatever, and he's going to go to school. And I'm like, oh, hell no. <laughs> You're not going to school in that. Whoa, nobody minds. It's, no, you need to have more respect for yourself. You will feel better if you dress better. And I would force him to change his clothes and go to school. And there is something about that. If you dress properly for an event, or you just dress properly for the day, you're going to feel better about yourself. And the same things with your posture or, you know, going back to the cell phone thing. If we, if we can just put it down or at least when we're walking down the road, think, you know, I've been slunched over a computer all day or I've been slunched over a machine all day. I'm going to roll my shoulders back. I'm going to straighten my back up. I'm going to walk. You'll see a lot of benefit to you. I'm going to put the phone down, like you said, and just, just get away from technology every once in a while. I mean, that's that's for me. About every other weekend, I try to just get away from technology and go get out on the river and kayak down the river. Enjoy nature. Uh, that's kind of what I was talking about with me and you back in the day here, you know, come up in the 90s where I came up in the 70s and 80s, but go ahead. <laughs> you said it, not me. I know. <laughs> I, was, I was married with kids in the 90s. <laughs> for me getting out and enjoying nature that's that's my activity what i like to do i get out and go hiking just get away from technology uh, uh having friends to go with and talking with them not talking over the phone or talking over facebook messenger there's something freeing about not having your phone when you're engaged in something you enjoy 
it is for me, you know, especially if I go kayaking down the river because I just I leave my phone in my truck and my glove box and just it sits there until I come back three or four hours later from down the river. And it's it's a whole different mindset and mentality. You feel like you, you mentioned earlier, you're more relaxed and at ease with yourself when you do stuff like that and you change your mindset. Uh, I, I feel comfortable, relaxed. I don't – it may be a different story when I turn on my phone and get all that stuff coming back into me, but at the, during that time – it's free, not to have, be plugged in 24-7. Well, you know what you discover when you get back after you've left your phone down for like three hours or four hours or maybe even a whole day? My wife mad that I didn't text her back? Yeah, you'll find that. <laughs> <laughs> but she should have known that you were gone. <laughs> you also discover Facebook's still there. It's there. It, it is. didn't go away. It did not disappear. Twitter's uh, still there. That's, uh, the internet is still there. It didn't break. It didn't break. <laughs> You're, you're just like, oh, I could actually walk away, and it goes on. It, it does. Life goes on. You, you get it out of the way. Uh, Which is the, the reason you need to live it, because guess what? When you when you die and check out of this world. That's not coming with you. It's not, And it's just going to keep going on. Yeah. It's, so enjoy it. Enjoy your life to the fullest. Get out there and, and drop the phone, drop the tablet. Enjoy it. Go out and do things. It's, you were talking about growing up. uh a guy I know in the Northwest, a few years ago, they did a documentary on uh, Evil Knievel. Uh, did you ever see that documentary, that I'm, movie on Evil Knievel? I've never seen that. You know who Evil I know Knievel. who Evil Knievel okay, is, okay. yeah. Who <laughs> don't know a man that takes a motorcycle and jumps over a bunch of cars at once. Well, the thing I'm about sure it. my kids in the 80s and 90s were trying to jump that with their ramps on their BMX bicycles. <clears throat> Again, you're being kind of 70s. Uh, <laughs> the... Uh, and they were talking about, in, in the movie portrays him probably accurately as a horrible husband, who's abusive, alcoholic type husband. And this guy, a friend of mine, gets on and says, oh, I didn't realize he was a horrible person. I love this guy. And I'm sitting there thinking, okay, I didn't love him because he was a moniker of marriage. I loved him because he took a Harley Davidson and did amazing jumps that guys are having special built motorcycles. Travis Pastrana just did that jump, that Las Vegas jump. I'd heard about this. I hadn't got to read or see the video about it. Well, everybody's going on, oh, yeah, Travis did it. Well, yeah, Travis did it on a specialized bike. Travis needs to go to the grave of Evil Knievel and bow because that guy laid the foundation for these. And, and I love Travis Pastrana. Yeah. I think that kid is amazing. He, I love watching him compete. I'm glad he made the jump. But... Um, yeah, not having technology in my hand, not being able to sit down at the Atari and play all the time because, you know, we only had three channels on TV and Dad wanted to watch There's news. There's an Atari that's still this day? <laughs> right. I got another story about that. <laughs> and so we would go outside and play, and because of Evil Knievel, I had an amazingly dangerously fun childhood. Yeah. An amazingly dangerous. I didn't have to have a bicycle helmet. No, you didn't have to have a helmet. <laughs> I think you were you had bicycles back then that if they fell off, I mean the chain fell off, you just got down there and put some little grease on it and slid it right back on. Slid it back wheel. on. I stood up in the back seat of the car as mom and dad drove down the road at four years old. Being up in the back seat <laughs> in the back window. That's right. <laughs> we did a lot of dangerous stuff. Now thankfully, my mom and I were having this discussion the other day. Thankfully, we've become more aware. Yes. Yeah. Society in general has become more aware in, in regards to things like that. And and it's needed. Uh, right. Most definitely. Most definitely it's needed. Back to the Atari, we were in uh, Bend, Oregon. I don't know if you've ever been to Bend, Oregon. I've never been there. It's beautiful. 
It's, it's absolutely beautiful. It's in Central Oregon. Uh, we went down there to do a camping trip with the then wife's family. They have this obsidian flow, and obsidian is this glass that's made from lava. So it's just big flows of this black glass that's just shattered. And it's huge rocks. That's black. pretty cool. It is. You can hike up on it and go through it, and you get this big, these beautiful lakes. But we stopped off at the at a big box store there, and we're walking through, and we walked through the electronics department. I forgot what we were looking for, and they had an Atari. Are we talking about the old school Atari or the new ones where they're in the little, these little mini cases? It, this was a, it, it was built like the old school Atari, same size, but embedded in it was like 28 Atari games. So you didn't have to have the Atari cartridges. Well, that's no fun. Well, you know, the whole fun was ejecting the cartridge and sticking it in there and, and hitting it with your hand to make it sure it works. <laughs> that's <what he's, laughs> Remember the TV? Yeah. You'd go to the TV and it's not working, you'd slap it. You'd go back to the uh, wires back there and check and make sure the wires are on UHF. Or, or you'd jar that yeah. thing like Fonzie and TV. start working. Yeah. <laughs> Why is it working? Do that to your plasma. Do that to your LCD or LED TV today. Uh, the kids are over there playing while we're getting whatever we're getting. And we come back and they're like, Dad, you see this? This is so cool. And they're over there playing this joystick Atari game. And uh, I looked at the price. It was like 20 30 bucks. We'll get it. So <laughs> I bought it. They played that thing. And I mean, Levi was not a teenager at that time, but he was probably 15, 16 years old. His friends would come over and they got their Xbox. No, get that Atari out, man. And this is their play this play the old school games. They loved it. <laughs> they loved playing that old school games. And um, but that's that's the great thing about having kids. What do you got coming up next uh, next week? Actually, we got a, a mutual friend of mine coming on the program next Saturday, Cole Sitzler. I've uh, heard of him. He's going to be on. You know, famous local area country singer. Uh, he's coming in to talk about his album. He's finally got an LP put together of uh, two previous songs and his three new songs that. He's uh, kind of playing around now, which we are playing here on the radio station for him. So I heard he's got a, well, I didn't hear. I mean, I read. He wrote it. So he said that he's planning a video shoot for uh, a float trip. Yes. Uh, his his One of his new songs is Float. Uh, and so he's going to plan to shoot a video. My last I heard was here end of July, 1st of August, which I'll know for sure more next weekend. Uh, I want involved. If that just means I'm open. sitting on the side of the... Yeah, I told him I'd be glad to come out there and, and drop my float in the water. I think his his idea behind it, and we'll know more about it next Saturday morning, uh, was just to have people show up and, and sit down on the float, and they're going to have drones out there flying around shooting footage and people on the banks. And I think he had mentioned at one point talking about doing some wire cameras that run across the river and just shoot. Wow, he's got a good budget he, then. He's... he's you want to be doing something pretty good. He wants, from what he told me, he wants the video to be good. Uh, CMT quality uh, oh, wow. video. So I think he's he's going all on out with it there. And, and we'll know more about that next Saturday when he's shooting. He's a good kid. He is. He's very and good. And I say kid because he's younger than Younger than both of us. Well, yeah. <laughs> Doesn't take much to be younger than me. But he's younger than my daughter. Um, I think he's 24, 23, 24 years I'm old. I'm not sure of his age. I know he sings some great music, though. Yeah. He does. He's got a good following. Uh, well, you and I saw him down at Flip Flops. Yes. Uh, that's one of his normal places that he plays at. It's Flip Flop Burgers down there on Hawassi. And I think uh, the idea was to shoot some of the footage right there on that riverbank right there in front of Flip Flops. So it's a great little venue. It is. It's it's nice down there. Uh, down there a couple weeks ago when Cole was playing. And uh, you can see the mist coming off the Hawassi River. As, that is as mesmerizing. It is. And it's relaxing. And another great point about that. 
There's no cell phone coverage down there, so you're not going to get to use your cell phone to, to see what's going on with social media and what's happening. You're sitting there, you're listening to an artist play music and watching the river. Right. It doesn't get any better than that. I, I've i spent more time down there at the river, which I've, I'm going to let you in on a little secret here. People are appalled when I tell them this. I've never floated that river. What? <laughs> I told you. Wow. That's the first I've heard of that. That, that everybody I usually do has floated it once in their life, and, and I recommend it for anybody, uh, Scott included. Go up there. Uh, there's a little store called Webs that you can rent your floats right. from, and they bust you up. And, and that's kind of the point with Cole's song "Float." He talks about how you're on this old rickety school bus or truck riding the back <laughs> up a side of a road, and you feel you're going to fall off the mountain, and they take you all the way up to the top of the river, bust you up there. And give you a float and say, have a fun day. And you literally get on the float and you float trip down this thing. It's it about like a two or three hour trip. It's, it's about a two and a half, three hour trip, depending on how fast you're moving going down that water uh, on a float, uh, a little circle float. Uh, I, I've started kayaking it more. Uh, I've gotten into that as a, a new hobby and I love it. Uh, granted, it can get hot at times, but that's what you pull over the side of the river for and jump out and get in the water and enjoy yourself a little bit by floating around. So do you have a sit on top or a or a V shape? I mean, it's obviously. kind of a V shaped kayak where you get down into it. Uh, I want one of the ones where you sit on top. I, I've got a friend that has. So yours, water. you sit in with the zipper. Yeah, you you essentially you're sealing yourself off your body to the water. Uh, doesn't get down in your kayak and stuff like that. Uh, my friend has a set on top. Like I said, I was going to go more for that. Sid, one. Sid, Sid's got a set on top. He has I know a that. set on top. It, it's great. Uh, lets the water empty out where my kayak, if I get water in it, I've got to pull over to the side of the dock somewhere on the the, the uh, side of the river, turn mine up and let the water pill out of, pour out of it from the back of a little funnel hole and his just it trickles right through on the sit on top. But it, it, it's how stable is his I mean it's it, very stable surprisingly. I mean he's he, he, he makes it look easy going down the river in his whereas I would have to get used to it. The the kayak I bought when I first started doing this being a novice at it, I wanted something that I wasn't going to flip out of. Right. And so I, I looked around and researched a little bit and found a, a flat bottom, I guess is what they call them, kayak, where you sit down in it, and no matter how much you rock it, you're not going to flip it. Well, well it's not actually true. <laughs> you proved that wrong. I proved that wrong going down <laughs> on my first trip down the river. <laughs> So it, it, it trust me. A lot. Yeah, I was thinking to myself, this salesman, I need to go back and find him. <laughs> yeah, I'm he, choke he's, that guy he's incorrect about flipping out of this thing. <laughs> uh, and but it, it's fun. It's it's all an experience in life. You get out there, if you flip out of it, so what? You flip out of it. Just grab onto it and float down the river until you get the spot to get. Do you wear any per personal protective equipment when you go? I wear a life vest. Uh, you have to. You have to wear a life vest when you go down the Hawassi or the Okoe River. You're required to wear those. Uh, they've got signs posted everywhere that you have to put those. What about on. a helmet? I've not put a helmet on. Now the Okoe, I will put one on. I'll say that when I go down to Okoe because the rapid is a little bit more rough. Hawassi is just it's kind of a laid back. There's a couple of rapids here and there, but. It's, you can control yourself, so to speak, if you can swim or you're floating. So you just essentially nudge off of something. Uh, if now, you the Okoe, people who don't know, the Okoe was Olympic. Yes. Uh, 1996 Olympics. Yes. And Atlanta held the uh, whitewater competitions there on the Okoe, just down the road from us. Yes. it's it's So it's, it's serious rapids. It's very rough, and I 
highly say recommend if if you're a novice, don't go down that for your first trip. They have guided trips. They have guided trips. You can go down those. You can get in uh, rafts and go down the river with them with the guided trip. Those are fun. Uh, You know, I've I've been down those a couple times with guided trips. Uh, Your your guide going down in the back can make it fun or make it. A living hell. <laughs> it just depends on what guide you get when you're just going. Depends down. on what adventure you're looking for. That's exactly it. I've had I've had guides. I remember my first trip. We'll talk about that. So my first trip going down that thing. The guide looked like the dude from that '70s show that was the stoner, the older stoner guy. Creatures? No, the one from Cheech and Chong. Oh, okay. okay. He resembled uh, Chong, uh, uh, the older guy with the beard. And I yeah, mean, yeah. this guy was he was '70s material, buddy. <laughs> And he he would stop and he, he I'm gonna flip us around here in this rapid and you better hold on tight and it was an experience for my first trip and I I will never forget it it was fun you're like I didn't do that one again <laughs> I, I I looked for him actually because he he made it so fun for me that I wanted to go okay, back and find okay. him but it, it could scare normal people where they say I'm not going to do that one again you you could probably say I'll, I'll never touch it and never go down the Okoye again or whatever but. You want to try at least one thing in life. Do it once in life and say you did it. Uh, that's you're never going to do it once you're gone. And I have, I just haven't taken the time to get down there. Um, and it's like I in the spring I I enjoyed going down to flip flops. And then I got involved with the sounds of summer, which I'm I'm emceeing and hosting that. So there goes my. You know, You've got my, one of those tonight, by the, I by the way. I got one of those tonight. We have uh, C.J. Warren, who I didn't know I knew, uh, and. Uh, Somebody said, do you know that C.J. Warren guy? I'm like, no. Oh. Well, he used to work here. This is what I'm working now. I'm like, wait a minute. Was that the guy that used to always walk around here singing? I'm like, yeah. The guy's got an amazing voice. If you've not heard him, it's, it's surprisingly amazing. Then Old Millennial is tonight. We have a lot of great local bands I'm finding around here, and, and Sounds of Summer promotes that very well by bringing in local and, and some that are not local to, to play in, in, in downtown square that's free for everybody to attend. Right. It's a, as Tim likes to say, it's free to the public sponsored event. Uh, and so we, they look for different companies around the area or organizations to sponsor stage or do stuff. He's also got food trucks coming in. And the great thing about that is he doesn't charge the food trucks to be there because they may not make money. They may make money. He just lets them come in. And so they're doing pretty good. They did really well last week. You guys had a brick oven truck down there last weekend, I saw. The brick oven truck was down there. They sold out. Oh, wow. They sold out. Uh, The only thing they had left was a little bit of dough, and they donated it to the Grace House, which is right behind them, that halfway house for men. Yes. Um, Those guys were excited about it. They're going to be back August 4th. I think that's the night calling, calling glory. Is that it? Is it call to glory? I'm not sure. I'm I think not, it's I'm calling not. glory. They're going to be there that night. No, we've had some great bands down there. I've been pleasantly surprised. I I attended ever since I moved back. I've I've attended Sounds of Summer when I could, and most of these bands, especially local ones, I've seen and heard. But I wasn't paying attention. I'm down there for the social aspect. I'm talking to people. I'm <laughs> Imagine no that people. in a public environment and being social. Right. I'm doing that. I'm enjoying that aspect of it. Now that I've been in scene, I've paid more attention to it. And I'm getting to know the music, getting to know the bands. And I don't know if you've been watching this. I try to do a post-concert interview. What? I've caught a couple of your post-concert interviews. Those are those have been real good. I think the last time I saw you did it with uh, Andrew. Andrew, uh, right. Andrew, is it Littleton? I'm probably butchering his name. Andrew. It is Littleton. Andrew Littleton. Uh, September Song. 
Yes. I've had them on my program before. They're a great band. Great band. You know what I liked about them is, well, there's a couple things I liked about them. They brought the guest artists in. So typically we have an opening band and then the headliner. Well, they basically took care of the whole show. And they brought in the guest artists. Uh, um, Cody Housley, I believe, was one of them. And then Ashley Clark, who I ran into just this last week. And I, I walked in to pick up these mic cords and, don't I know you? <laughs> she said, yeah, sound of the summer. And so they did that. They also invited a couple of guests up. What, what I was going to say, what I liked about him is they, he knew how to work the crowd, but he's playing to his home crowd. So he knew the people and he, and, and he knew how to work the crowd. But what a lot of people have missed out on is we've had some amazing professional musicians in there. Uh, Will Carter came in out of Knoxville. Rick Rushing came in. He's out of the Chattanooga area. Have you? I think you got Chris Hennessy that's coming in uh, pretty gonna soon. The, he's going to be the final concert of the week of the I, season. I know he's local, but he's he's pretty famous in his own right. For, yeah, for evidently he's, uh, he's uh, Ashley knows him. Ashley Clark, that guy I was talking to, because he's out of Meigs County, he's a, and uh, which I wonder how my family's out of Meigs County. So I'm I'm wondering about that. But she was telling me some of the people that he's been hanging out with, and it was pretty amazing. I said, well, that is what's funny about that. That day I interviewed Will Clark. He had just got back from London doing a gig with uh, Ashley Campbell, which is uh, Glenn Campbell's daughter, and Chris Christopherson. That's pretty cool. That's like, pretty cool. You just did a gig with Chris Christopherson, and whoa, that's, that's got to be One pretty cool. One of the highwaymen. One of the highwaymen, and uh, that guy's got an amazing story, too. I don't know if you ever read much into Chris Christopherson's life, but he's got an amazing story as well. Um, but, no, I've never floated the river. I've been wanting to do that. Um, a you should get of, out and do it one, one, one weekend and have a, have a go at it. It's it's. I recommend it. My barber, I went and saw her yesterday. and uh, she, Her and I were talking, and she said, you never float. She said, come borrow some of my boats. I got boats. You can borrow some of my boats and go up there. She was talking about she's up there, and I think just this last week, and she saw a gaggle, in some way she described it, a gaggle of river otters just kicking about. She said, I've never seen that anyplace other than the zoo. I haven't seen that going down the river myself. That would be an interesting view right there. Mostly the time I'm spending out in the water, just kind of looking at the mountains as you're going down the water. And mm -hmm. the sun. I usually go in the afternoon time when the sun's starting to set, so it's not so hot on you, being on beating down on you. So I just kind of look up at the mountains and just take it like the awe of the view of everything and avoid being next to the trees next to the bank because you don't want a snake to fall out into your boat. So that's another yeah, how recommendation. How freaky would that be? It's, it's happened a couple times. I've, I've witnessed one while I've been on the river. Oh, what, you saw this happen? The snake in the tree. People were hollering and hollering, you know, stay away from that tree. And you can see it slithering out in there and fall down. And it's just, it's, it's a sight. And it's Did sad. it fall in a boat? I did not see it fall in the boat. It oh. fell next to the boat. The was But it's... It's a sight. We'll put it that. You don't want a snake to fall on your boat because at that point, you're going to become one with the water. Right. And, and so are there cotton mouths or? Uh, you know, I don't know. I don't know the different styles of the different snakes. That are so there's there. water moccasins and cotton mouths that I know swim in the water, but I don't know which ones are there or maybe both. A snake is a snake is a snake when it comes to me. If I see one, I'm, I'm avoiding it. I was in Kentucky one time. I used to fish the river a lot. Not the river, the creek where I lived at there in southeastern Kentucky. And I'm walking up to this river bank, the creek bank. I keep saying river. Walking up to this creek bank, there's a snake laying on the bottom of the creek bed. 
and uh, it's just a rock creek bed, and there's a snake laying there. I'm like, and normally I'll wait out in there and fish this creek, and uh, the guys like, well, go ahead and wait out. I said, I'm not waiting in there. There's a snake laying right there <laughs> on that rock. He said, well, they won't bite underwater. I said, did he tell you that? Did anybody tell that snake he's not supposed to bite underwater? How's he supposed to eat a fish? Is this a... Uh Online, the snake tells you this. Did it was it Google to get you this information? Right. I'm like, who told this before Google's right? This was in the 90s. I was okay. in college, and uh, I'm, I'm not getting in there. You tell me a snake ain't gonna bite me underwater. I said, Nobody told that snake, he, he agreed to that contract. And if he did, you know what, dummy, he's a snake, you don't trust him. That comes from an old classic movie from the 90s, I believe. There's a good good story behind the, the snake and biting you. Right. Well, there's that old fairy tale, right? Mm, yeah. That, why'd you trust me? I'm a snake. <laughs> you know? I'm to bite well, you. I'm a scorpion. I'm going to sting you. This is what I do. But that's that's just part of it. Um, well, Eric, man, we've done what? Man, we've done an hour and 12 minutes. I've had uh, a good time talking about everything from the past that we've done and you know, you can't make this news up. Uh, you know, that's, that's that was a great, great time last year when we did that. I had a lot of fun with that. You know what I thought about doing? And I thought about this recently because I was thinking about mine in your interview today. And I thought, I ought to start a Facebook page called We Can't Make This Up. And then just invite a few admin like Kelly. Yeah. And yeah. a few people like that. And just let them, when they find news articles that are funny, they find news articles that are, that you just can't make up. Yeah, drop it out there. Just drop yeah. it out there. Be careful with stuff like that because there are people that would believe some of that stuff. So you, well, you have I'm to put a good Well, I'm talking real disclaimer. stuff. You can't make it up, you know. Um, when you see something or, or you know, like you or I remember Kelly did that once. She reported live. She was driving around yeah. with Bigfoot. Driving around the city there looking for Pigfoot in the woods. That, that was cool. Her and Randy are, are great people. Absolutely. Uh, I actually have thought about I uh, thought about inviting her on and talking to her because she's she does the homeschool thing and I think they got she just had a baby I believe so and they got seven kids now and um, she is full of energy uh, full of absolute love for her children love for life uh, a love for this town they just moved here from Denver Colorado a couple of years ago possibly and um and she's got a wealth of knowledge. For somebody who's been in Athens as, as l short a time as she's been here, she's made a lot of connections, and that's mainly because of her home, homeschooling group. Yeah. And that would be another reason I'd want to bring her on, is because everybody, not that I'm anti-public education, but... Better be careful about vouchers. That's right. Be careful about vouchers. You know what's funny about vouchers? Let's talk about that. We have a voucher system in this city. We have a voucher system in the state. If your child is, if the school is unable to meet the needs of your child, so you've got a child who is, uh, has a disability, and the school is unable to meet those needs, there is a voucher that helps offset the cost to get that kid to a school that can't help them out or to get a homebound teacher to come. I to, never knew that. Absolutely. A guy I work with, he was part of that voucher system. He was sick. He couldn't attend school. The school paid for a homebound teacher to come to him and educate him. Well, that's pretty cool. Uh, that uh, a woman I know was a special needs teacher. She was assigned to a student in a classroom to help meet his needs and follow him. Well, this kid 
his, his issues were much greater than what she, not necessarily her, but the school could provide. That kid's now attending a private school, I think, in Cleveland because of the voucher system that we have to help that out. So I, it would be interesting to bring that up in a – so now are you against vouchers? It's, it's, it's a very, <laughs> very tough subject to broach uh, when it comes to talking, especially when you, you get the politics involved with it. And, you know – I'm neither for nor against. I don't. I don't know enough about it to speak on either side of it, to be honest. And that's why I was surprised to learn that it was actually implemented in this area. Well, and it's. A, I'm a yes and. Yes, I want public education, and I want to see if we can. I don't want to. I don't want to be an either or, and that's what that becomes. If you say I'm totally against vouchers, and then I educate you and say, well, we actually have a system here that's doing that. Are you against that voucher? Well, no, I'm not against that voucher. You know, I, I don't see anybody who's going to come up and say, oh, I'm against that voucher. We need to have them in this public school. Well, we, that, that's taxing our teachers too much. It can be rough, and it, it's, it's a slippery slope when you start talking about that. So I, I try to avoid getting into those discussions. Uh, you know, before I got into radio and, and live streaming, I, I got a little vocal on social media about things. You know, the, the key is to when you start becoming vocal about things, research your topic research your person become informed right before you start putting information out that's that would be the one thing that i would recommend to somebody if if they're going to do something like what you and i do here uh, know know your person know your topic or at least ask the right questions exactly exactly because uh, you don't want to go for me personally i don't i don't ever try to show a bias one way or the other when it comes to something i want you to have this is what they said from from the person's mouth or about the topic, and then you make an informed decision based off the information that I give you. I agree, and and that's the problem. We back to what we were talking about earlier about these soundbite politics or bumper sticker politics. Is <clears throat> we make a decision based off a headline, a clip, or an excerpt when there's more to it? And I mean, it's easy to come up and say back to this education thing. No, if you support vouchers, you don't support public school teachers. Well, that's, that's stupid. Uh, my my sister-in-law is a public school teacher. I was raised in public schools. I'm very much happy about public schools, but also see there might be other needs out here that we as a public can help out and do. And you know, once I found out oh, we already have a system like that, I don't know anybody that would be against that. It's definitely something to look into. I, I was very surprised when you mentioned that, that we do have something like that in this area. It's, it's, I don't know see, the name of it. I just, and the only reason I know about it is because, well, one, my, uh, a dear friend of mine is that teacher that I was telling you about that was involved with it. Uh, two, the guy I work with is a child that received it. And three, my, uh, like I said, my sister-in-law is a teacher at the high school and she's aware of it because her daughter is uh, also uh, special needs on the autism spectrum specifically. So she's aware of it. However, she didn't take advantage of it. She, uh, being the educator that she is, she worked very directly with her daughter. and She spent a lot of time after hours and a lot of her own personal money because at that time when she first had her daughter, insurance wouldn't recognize a lot of these things and pay for a lot of stuff that her daughter needed. And so she was doing it herself. That's one thing that's good. You mentioned insurance about that, that our insurance has been great when it comes to, especially if you're a parent of a special need, insurance is a big thing because you have so many different things you have to 
to take care of and figure out how to handle it. And if you don't have that insurance, it's going to make it rough for somebody. So what happens when they turn 26? You know, that's one thing that I'm actually having to study on with my son right now. It's one thing me and Susan are looking into because uh, some of the parents we've talked to, when it comes to a special needs child, you definitely want to have financial control of how, how they're going to do things and try to start planning for them when they, t- when they turn 18. Uh, I'm not sure what happens when he turns 26. I'm assuming he would go on his own uh, insurance plan, whether that be, I guess, Medicaid or Medicare, uh, whatever they cover under uh, Social Security at that age for someone that's disabled. I'm not I'm not familiar enough to say one way or the other what would happen. Well, two, two in my family, immediate family, have just turned 18, and they're both on the on that spectrum. They just turned 18, and and so the debate that they're facing right now is do we do we take not the word custody, do you become like a guardian of Adelitum for them? You become a guardian for them. Uh, you're Or do we not? Uh, yeah. And that's the question because there's pros and cons to it. The other one is do we apply for Social Security disability uh, or do we let them try to go get a job and do some stuff? Because once you apply for, the way they're explaining it to me, once you get this disability, you can't go back. Yeah, that's pretty much it, and there's there's very strict guide, guidelines in regards to that uh, when you apply for anything when it comes to government assistance. Right. So you, you have to do your research again and, and, and know what you're looking for and which way you want to go, and that's one thing we're trying to take advantage of with our son is while he's before he turns 18, we want to know which way we need to go in regards to that. So there, I can't imagine being a parent out there. I mean, I don't even know where to start looking. Are there organizations? Are there, I don't know, a specialists? Are there attorneys? Are there somebody that you can go to and say, okay, where do I even start to look to find the answers to these questions? Or do you just got to get on Google and start looking this stuff up? I think, you know, it depends on your, your circumstance. Uh, for me, for the most part, we've – We've communicated with other parents. Uh, that's another positive aspect of social media with our son having a rare genetic disorder. We get to, There's a Facebook group out there for uh, parents that have these children with these, these rare social or chromosome disorders. Uh, so I get to talk with these other parents and see how they adjusted, how they handled their child going through that same circumstance. And you don't necessarily have to Google that and get that information. You're, you're getting word first-hand knowledge of a parent that's gone through it right uh, and if you don't have that uh, if you can afford it maybe get you an attorney that can walk you through that and tell you that uh, what you need to do and kind of google and see what's out there a little bit i guess so you do have a a network i guess that you can go to I, we are fortunate enough to have a network where we get to communicate with other parents that have children with the, the rare chromosome disorder that, that's out there for so are there um, medical treatments or, I mean, like, I know a big thing right now is a lot of people is CBD oil and all this stuff. He does, I mean, he's not that far. And, and most of the, the, uh, the parents that I've talked to, no, nobody, there is medication some, in some standpoint for ADHD because they're very hyperactive. And so you've got to be able to control some of that a little bit when they go into school. For my son, being in a big social environment, can tend to set him off a little bit. He, right. Over extension of being hyper. Uh, you know, and a lot of people, if we're getting a, a big crowd and everybody's really going at it and talking and conversing, it's getting louder and louder, it's going to get his anxiety up and get him to be more hyper. 
and so he's going to kind of feed off that. So some some ways we use a little bit of medication to dial that back a little bit and make it easier for him, but we don't do anything extensive as what yeah, you've got you, there. You just got to be able to know when and where and know the environments. That was like um, when I first moved back, <clears throat> it was suggested that I take my nieces when there's – there's four of them take my nieces to go do something. Well, one of them is the one that's autistic. I have no clue about any of that. I was like, no, I'm not doing it. I'm not taking them on my own when I, well, no, her sisters can handle. No, 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 no. I, I'm not comfortable doing that. Now my brother, uh, his wife, I mean, this is what they've lived and for lack of a better word, trained for. I've not. And is that wrong of me to be like, I, I mean, you I, wouldn't, I, I had to feel uncomfortable if you say, Hey Scott, can you watch my son for an hour or two? But no. And, and I, to be honest, I wouldn't ask you. Thank uh, you. I wouldn't ask you. Is that about me? It's not about you. It's more about uh, when, when you're a parent <laughs> and it wouldn't be that uh, I wouldn't ask you. It's just that, as me as a parent, I'm I'm very careful about who watches over him because of his special needs. Uh, and, I, and to my brother and my sister-in-law's credit, they weren't the one who made this suggestion. Okay. They weren't the one that made that suggestion. Somebody else who said, hey, you should take your nieces over and do that. I'm like, nope. Mm-hmm. It, it can be a learning experience for a family member uh, watching after a special needs child. It's, it's definitely uh, different. Uh, you have a lot more things that you have to pay close attention to and, uh, and a lot more uh, responsibility uh, for, back of, for better lack of words to use for that. Uh, but, yeah, it's, it's definitely a different experience. And that was my thing, especially in the fact that I just moved back in 2016. So at the time, she was 16. She had never – she met me the first time in 2016. And I'm, I'm not going to try to step in and be this great, amazing uncle and take you to these places because I don't, it's a different world that I'm not familiar with. Yeah. And I wasn't comfortable with it. Now, maybe as I spend more time with her and we get to know each other more and I hang out more over there, that might change. Yeah. Uh, but I didn't feel comfortable at the time to do that. And part of me felt bad. Uh, especially if I want to plan something to do with my nieces, because I'd love to take my nieces up to see a roller derby bout, a women's flight. I'd love to take them. I've seen your pictures of the roller derby, and Susan's told me a little bit about your roller derby experience. I don't know, you know, that's good or bad there, you know, some of the stories you hear. but Right, I wouldn't take her <clears throat> to one that I was getting full-on Rocky Horror Picture Show at, but uh, <laughs> I... That's, a, that's a, another video or podcast in itself, maybe? Yeah, I thought about getting a podcast with some derby girls when I go up to the there Northwest. You go. My daughter skates for a little derby up there. So that's one of the reasons I'm staying as long as I am. Is I'm going up the 7th because I'm doing a wedding in Tacoma, Washington for my cousin. And then the following Saturday, my daughter has a roller derby bout. And I've not got to see my daughter skate roller derby. And so I thought, well, I'm just going to hang out up there, watch her skate roller derby and so I'm excited about that. And who knows, maybe they'll let me b- get back on the microphone because I was their original announcer. I was their first announcer for this roller derby league up there. It's called Storm City Roller Girls. I was their first announcer. And so maybe they'll let me get back on the microphone. 
but that'll be fun. Have you ever gone to a roller derby battle? I've never gone to a roller derby. I've had people offer to take me down to one, but I've just, time, day job, and then radio, I haven't had a chance to experience one. I've seen them. Now, growing up in childhood, you could see them all the time for roller derby. Oh, going around, it. different different experience, watching different what's experience. happening. I'll have to have to tell me about one or tell me about one that's going on there and go check it out. So the what you and I saw growing up was bank track and it was more WWE. That's what I was fixing to say. It's more wrestling type because I remember people throwing elbows and grabbing hair and pulling them you down on the ground. thrown not just off the track. You will get thrown out of the venue if you do that. Wow. At this. This uh, women's flat track roller derby is – Women's Flat Track Roller Derby Association, WFTDA, um, is actually being, is very stringent on, yeah, you can have your personas, your roller derby names, we're a legitimate sport. You're not, you throw a punch, you're out. There's no fighting. I'm not saying it hasn't happened, not saying it's not going to happen, but it's just like basketball, NBA, or NFL, it's a legitimate sport. So much so that ESPN.com is actually covering it now. Oh wow! Did not know that. Right, um, it's it's a big deal. I mean, there's world leagues. The team and the team I started announcing for was uh, Rose City Rollers out of Portland, Oregon. And they were number number one in the world for two years running. And this last year, they well last 2017, they got beat by Melbourne, Australia. So Melbourne, Australia was number one. Portland Rose City Rollers was number two. So if you think about that, you were number one in the world, two years running, now you're number two. It's it's an amazing sport, but it's fully legitimate sport. How do they draft for this? I'm, I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to turn on my questions to you now. How do they draft for you're this? You're more than welcome to ask me anything you want. Uh, so what happens is you'll generally a girl will start in a smaller league like the one in Vancouver where my daughter's at. It's, a, it's not a Division A, uh, WFTDA league. They're not Division A. So they'll – They'll start in a smaller league like that, like the ones in Chattanooga or Knoxville. I don't know if Chattanooga or Knoxville. I don't think they're Division A. Atlanta Roller Girls are, and I think Nashville is. They'll start there. And uh, as they build their skill sets up, they want, you know, they're, they're looking over there. I want to go skate with them Atlanta girls, man. So they'll go down there, and they'll start skating with them. The great beauty about roller derby is they don't really have tryouts. The, basically, the rule is if you'll stick with us, we'll stick with you. So even if you, okay. even if you go and join the Rose City Rollers, you go in there and they have what they call orientation. And they'll say, okay, look, you're probably not ready to be on the Breakneck Bettys or the High Rollers or, or the Guns and Rollers yet. That's, that's one of those teams there that they have in their league. <clears throat> but we have a, a recreational league called whatever, you know, called the Wreckers. So you're more than welcome to go join the Wreckers and skate there. So you go and you start building your skill sets. And so as these girls build their skill sets, then they move up. And so it's like major leagues, essentially. You're starting out in the little league, working your way up through the different leagues and ultimately to the big league. Exactly. You ultimately get up there to the big leagues. Now, when, once you start getting with, uh, you know, the guns and rollers, and, and, and that's the teams with, uh, with Portland, they do have drafts. So okay. they are looking at these girls, and these girls are going out for the draft, and they're pulling them up for those, because that's now you're on the, you're on the league. So personas, you mentioned that earlier. Let me ask you about this. Let's do this. Because I'm going to do questions with you now, since you questioned me you're a little more bit. Welcome. What, what's your persona, and how did you come up with a persona for this? <laughs> My roller derby name is Lucky Van Tucky. Lucky Van Tucky. <laughs> right. 
And uh, I came on the van where I lived at in Southwest Washington was called the city's called Vancouver, uh, not Canada. Everybody says Canada, Vancouver, Washington state, not DC. <laughs> All right. It's Southwest. State. It's the Southwest corner of Washington state. It's right across the river from Portland, Oregon. And when I say right across the river, you can look across the river and see Portland, Oregon. It's that close. <clears throat> That's where I live. It's, uh, and a lot of people in Vancouver don't like this, but uh, to the people in Portland and in that area, Vancouver is like a suburb. Okay. And so they'll call it, oftentimes to make fun of it, they'll call it Vantucky. So I go and get involved, I got involved with the Rose City Rollers. They they uh, sent out, I was on their newsletter, right? Okay. This is before Facebook, right? <laughs> so I'm on their newsletter. The old style. The old style. And, um, it's funny how I got there, but I'm on the newsletter. They they sent out this thing saying, "Hey, we're looking for an announcer. If you like, an, if you think you can be an announcer, let us know." Well, me, I like talking on the microphone. Imagine that, right? <laughs> so I contacted them. I said, "Yeah, I'd love to do this." And so they brought me in. And she chatted with me for a little bit. She said, "Okay, well, come on in. We'll do this." So I go down to a practice. I meet the other announcer. His name is Mike Checks. That was his role with every name. And Dragon Lady was the uh, Naomi Biggs, I think is her. I always miss up her last name. And uh, Dragon Lady, sure, but Dragon Lady, and then Rocket Mean, who runs it right now. And Rocket, forgive me if you ever hear this. I can't remember. Kim Stegman is her uh, her everyday name, but Rocket Mean is her roller derby name. <clears throat> Met them, talked to them. Next thing you know, they said, "Okay, great. You need to come up with the roller derby name." And so I'm kicking around all these crazy names. You ever try to come up with a roller derby name? I can say I never have come up with a roller derby name, Scott. <laughs> so you go to these name generators, and you see some stupid stuff. You don't want to go with that. And, uh, <laughs> so I'm like, okay. Somebody, I saw something around town about Vantucky, and I thought, that'd be fun to have something play off Vantucky. I give an, even though I'm in Portland, I give a little homage back to my town that I live in. So me and the wife at the time were just kicking around names, and I don't know who came up with it, but Lucky came up. And so I mentioned it to them, and they fell in love with it. Well, from there, now I got, at least I felt like I needed to be, I needed to dress. Did you ever see that roller derby movie uh, called Whip It? I've not seen it, no. Well, uh, But I've seen your pictures on social media of what you look like uh, dressed up there for roller derby. Right, and we'll get to that. Well, I think it was Jimmy Fallon's character in Whip It was Hot, Hot Tub Johnny. Right? Okay. Hot tub giant. These names, I tell you. Right. And <laughs> so he had his own dress and attire that went with it. So I wanted something like that. So I picked out, I was going to go for a rockabilly Vegas lounge singer type of feel. Nothing you know? like yours. It's somewhat similar to what we were doing when we were doing Pigfoot. You come out with your, your sporty little uh, shiny vest and shirts. Right. That's where I got all that. Okay. All right. All that's from my lucky Vantucky wardrobe. Not not the Pigfoot there. Yeah, I thought you were one. trying to develop a style there for that. No, even this one's from my lucky Vantucky wardrobe. You know, kind of rockabilly kind of feel about it. And so <laughs> that was with the Rose City Rollers. Uh, at that time, I had a green suit I bought at the Goodwill. And a friend of mine put rhinestone on it around the collars and the pockets. And that's what I had there. And then I had some other outfits that I come up with, but that was my big one. When I got over to, then I took a break for a while. They call it retiring. Uh, I took a break for a while. And then I found out this league was starting up in Vancouver. So I contacted them and um, 
I go to watch them practice because they don't know me. The Vancouver League doesn't know me. So I walk in there, and there's Micro Bruiser, uh, Smack You Sideways, I think White Flight. These are girls that were top skaters on the travel team for the Rose City Rollers. Oh, wow. And I come walking in, they're like, Lucky! <laughs> and so we're all over talking and reminiscing, right? I hadn't seen them in years. And the girl that had told me to come in, and hey, we'll see. We got some people we're talking to. She comes up to me. She's like, uh, her name is Jabberjaw. She's like, uh, I guess. Now, wait a minute. Is this like the cartoon Jabberjaw back in the days? That's where this name derives from? I'd never ask her where her name come from. But she's always got this big shark. Oh, there you go. That's the old cartoon right, right there. Right, right. She's always got this big shark with her. <clears throat> and so she comes up. She's like, hey, I, I didn't realize they all knew you and you've got the gig. You're our head announcer. <laughs> And go. so I'm like, okay. And so we get ready for our first bout. Well, what these girls did different was they themed their bouts. And so like one bout was under the big top. Well, I'm sitting here thinking, well, if I'm going to dress, I need to dress based on the theme. And so I get this big, that that's the picture of me with the top. I got the jacket in the truck. <laughs> I remember that as you carried it all around and changed a suit everywhere we went. That's I mean, right. it's just like in between different shots. Well, you, you were in a different outfit. Well, I get this tuxedo jacket <laughs> with tails. It's got stuff made up and it looks like a ringleader, but it's got this, you know, skulls on it and day of the dead stuff and feathers and, and flashy scars. That was for under the big top. And then there was uh down the rabbit hole. So that's Alice in Wonderland. There you go. I found a costume rental place in town that had a Mad Hatter outfit. That's cool. And I went and found this cheesy old wig at the Goodwill, which I don't recommend buying wigs from the Goodwill and putting them on without cleaning them. I wouldn't do that. You're saying you did that? I No, I think I Lysoled it, but I'm just saying I don't recommend it. And then I found some orange spray paint the girlfriend had laying around and some glitter paint i put that on the hair and put that hat on that i had and that was that one then there's the famous one the rocky horror picture show was that uh, the one you're talking this about this may be the one that i talked about had a lace with the hat and everything or is this another one no the uh, that's the i think that was the under the big top is that one the rocky horror picture show was me and drag you didn't see that one? I haven't seen that one. I got a great pair of legs. <laughs> if you say so. Put them things in some fishnets and high heels, dude. <laughs> no, the girlfriend at the time, she had a, a corset and um, and uh, a pair of booty shorts. And she bought me my own fishnets, uh, but her garter belt. And... Um, there's something to say about a girlfriend that buys you fishnets. She's like, here, I'm not, you're not wearing mine. You can take these. Um, <clears throat> here's, if you ever decide to do this, uh, here's a little pro tip on booty shorts, girls' booty shorts. They're not designed for boys. I would think not. They don't hold the things, things in. <laughs> they do not hold stuff in, so you need to be aware. Uh, I'm standing around in a group of roller derby girls. We're going to get our makeup done. Because I'm going to get the Dr. Frankenfurter makeup put on. Did you ever see Rocky Horror Picture Show? I believe I watched it when I was younger. You got to watch it. It's been a long time. It's a cult classic. So I'm going to get the Rocky, I'm going to get the Dr. Frankenfurter makeup put on. And I'm sitting there talking to all these roller derby girls. And I think it was Splatsy Klein. How do you like that name? (laughs) That's unique. (laughs) (laughs) 
I think it was Splatsy Klein looks over at me. She's like, ah, oh, Lucky? I'm like, yeah. And she points down at my crotch. I look down. I'm like, I'm hanging out of these booty shorts, Eric. I got like eight roller derby girls in a circle. And then, of course, they all look. And I'm just like, oh. So I tuck everything back in. Sorry about that. And I go back to what we're talking about. And one of the girls You're like, so oh. lucky social media wasn't around for that. I know. One of the girls like, whoa, 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 wait a minute. He was just hanging out of his shorts. He tucks everything back in. We just all joined back in the conversation. <laughs> well, yeah. <laughs> You've not seen that before. So that was the famous one. There's a, uh, the, the picture that a lot of people see of me on Facebook in that one is I'm walking past the stands with my hands in the air. And what was going on in that is we were doing a raffle. And they always one of the things about women's flat track roller derby, as fun as it is, it is one of the best things out there to support women. And when I say support women, I mean women of color, uh, women of uh, transgender, women small, women large, women conservative, women liberal. It is one of the best things. Those girls get in there and they support each other. And one of the rules of WFTDA, I think it's a WFTDA rule, is that every bout has to sponsor a charity. Okay. So a certain percentage of any proceeds has to go to a charity. You have to put something on for that charity. So at that event for Rocky Horror, they were collecting um, uh, new underwear, new socks, and slightly used bras for a local women's shelter. And so if you brought that stuff in, they would um, they would donate that stuff to that women's shelter, and you got you got a raffle ticket. And we always had local. Uh, companies and businesses would donate massages or uh, one heart tattoo would always donate like so much toward a tattoo. So you'd get these nice raffle packages. So people would come in, they'd bring their bras and stuff and their panties or whatever that they bought at the store and they'd donate and they'd get a raffle ticket. Well, at halftime, they told me, you go out there and tell those women, and, the, and again, this is a women-run organization, you go out there and tell those women if they will give us the bra they're wearing, We'll give them 10 raffle tickets. <laughs> so, I'm like, okay. <laughs> so, that picture of me in drag with my hands up is me going by telling them women, if you give me the bra you're wearing, and you'd be surprised. If you're, I, it's magical how women do it. I don't know how they take their bras off sometimes with their tops still on, but it's magical. And I'm just always amazed and mesmerized. But these women were literally pulling their bras out and, Toss them down there. So, no, roller derby is a great thing. It's it's more than just fun. My daughter's involved. They support great causes. They support women that, I mean, I've seen women come in there who were, for lack of a better word, and I don't want to, it's going to sound mean, grossly obese, right? I've okay. seen them come in there and get on skates, and these athletes, will stick there with them and teach them how to skate and stick with them and encourage them and support them and, and get them to where they are up to competition level. And these girls, that you don't just go join the team and then they have a bout come up and say, oh, you're on there. They've got, uh, what are they called? Uh, they got basic minimum requirements that, that these girls have to hit. Like you have to be able to go around that derby track 27 times in five minutes. Oh, wow. And that's smoking. Um, you got to be able to do certain stops. You got to be able to skate back. I mean, they got requirements that before you get out there, you've got to hit all these. 
and not every girl can do it right away, uh, but they will not give up on you. You fall down, they'll pick you up. And, uh, and that's what it's all about right there. It is. It's team an, effort. It's an amazing, an amazing team. Well, man, I know I've taken, what, an uh, hour and 40, almost two hours every time. We've had, we've had a long time talking today, catching up on the reminiscing about the, the good old days of we can't make this news up in Pigfoot. Well, and then that's what I want this about. I mean, there's probably a lot of people out there that's been following you on social media that don't know some of the things you've been through and you know some of the questions you ask and you know why doesn't he do this well it's because that's not my format or this is who we got coming on and i just everybody's got their own style and i I appreciate you giving me an opportunity to to come on here and and talk with you on on your podcast it's a it's it's a great opportunity to get out and talk about this and well, wish me luck things. with it, brother. I'm I'm just starting something. I have no clue what I'm doing. Well, thank you so much, and, and best of luck on, on you doing your podcast here. I hope it takes off for you. You, you get to get a lot of people coming in talking to you. Well, thank you. Well, again, we're WJSQ, WLAR, WYGO here in Athens, Tennessee. So is this this is the headquarters, right? This is the headquarters. Like for the, the Galactic headquarters? I wouldn't know about Galactic, but, you know, this is well, the He's got headquarters. another headquarters somewhere else in the galaxy? know about that i'm not going to go out that far outside of that range but you know this is the main headquarters for the radio station and uh it uh it's, it's a great place and we're actually sitting here at my round table where, we, where i host my saturday morning program hey you ever thought about this you, you know anything about the whole six degrees of kevin bacon or how you're probably six degrees separated from anybody in the world i'm not familiar with it well the theory is you're at most six degrees separated from anyone in the world okay so think about this. Randy has hung out with Dennis Rodman. <laughs> You've seen the picture, have you? I've heard the story. <laughs> I've heard the story. I wonder if he'll come on and tell that story. You, you might be able to talk him into coming in and talking to you about that. Uh, Dennis Rodman is really good friends with Kim Jong-un, the leader of North Korea. That means you and I are, what, two to three degrees separated from the leader of North Korea? Did not think about it that way. That's true. <laughs> I wonder if Randy could get one of us an interview with Kim Jong-un. <laughs> I'd be excited about the interview with Dennis Rodman, to be <laughs> honest. <laughs> All right, Eric. I'll talk to you later, bro. See ya.